Hello there, my fellow rebel rousers and hurling aficionados. My name is Ferlujan Mote, and I'd like to welcome you once more to the Love Today podcast, where every two weeks I sit down to have meaningful and far-reaching conversations with beings from all walks of life that inspire and empower us to be true to ourselves. I can't believe that another season of the Love Today podcast has gone by so quickly. I just want to thank everyone who has listened to this season, to these episodes so far. It really does mean the world to me. Um, and I would love to to hear from you. You know, you can reach out to me at, on Instagram at fed underscore mote. And all of those links, social links will be in the show notes below. But um, your support really is what inspires me to keep going. And hearing the impact that these conversations have I've made in your life um, are the greatest treasures in my life. So, yeah, uh, there's lo loads of ways to connect with me. Uh, I'll link all of that in the show notes. And uh, with that being said, you know, the next season of this podcast uh, will be in a slightly different format. I'm brainstorming right now potential routes of where this could go, but um, I want it to be much more story based. Uh, perhaps a bit uh, uh, episodes that are not as long um, with a, you know an occasional conversation sprinkled here and there but um, I think with just my current time commitments and current vision that I have for love today and for myself um, I think that's gonna be the route to go just because of time and budget constraints and so on so Yeah, stay on the lookout for that. I am hoping that it will still be out uh, in two weeks. I don't want it to. I don't want there to be another gap <laughs> like there was last time uh, from the first season to the second season. I think in the last episode of the last season, I said, oh, yeah, and I'll be back next week. And then I start working for this company and six months later went by <laughs> before I came out with the second season. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping no more than a month, but uh, To those who are loyal listeners, you know, just wanted to, to let you know. And again, truly grateful for your support. And uh, yeah, okay. So with that being said, um, this week's guest on the podcast is the resilient and inspiring Connor Stone, who is a dear friend of mine. Connor is a mindfulness and yoga teacher from Dublin, Ireland who shares his journey with anxiety and depression through his blog, A Mental Health Journey, and shares the benefits of mindful movement through his work with Lupa, a mindful running app. You can connect with him on Instagram at a mental health journey underscore and his own wonderful podcast, The Mindful Minute Podcast. In this episode, we go deep into Connor's transformative journey from a semi-pro hurling player, which hurling For those of you who don't know, I sure didn't, is a, uh, a national uh, Irish sport, which is very tough, um, but really interesting to watch. I watched a few clips and I'll link some in the show notes below. And it's uh, it's really interesting. It's a very ancient sport as well. Uh, anyways, uh, Connor's transformative journey from a semi-pro hurling player to meditation teacher, his healing experiences with mindfulness, psychotherapy, and cognitive behavioral therapy, also known as CBT, and cultivating the ability to check in with our minds on a regular basis. Connor also shares effective 
zero-cost tools based on cognitive behavioral therapy and mindfulness meditation principles that can help us to better handle and heal from our stress, chronic stress, as well as potential starting points for those of us who are looking to set out on our own mental health journey towards a more mindful, joyful, and peaceful way of being. Before leaving you with this empowering conversation between Connor and I, I also want to invite you to sign up for my newsletter, the Love Today newsletter, where every week on Wednesdays, I explore meaningful answers to your questions on spirituality, creativity, and lifestyle design, as well as share integral practices and perspectives, all so that we can let go of our existential maladies and live a life in which we are true to ourselves. The sign-up link for that is in the show notes below. So without further ado, um, here is Connor Stone in the Love Today podcast. Thank you again to all the loyal and wonderful listeners of this podcast. Have you been higher than this? There's so many things that are worth dressing for. Therefore, you've got to hold on to hope and just hope to explode into happiness. I really hope you succeed. Have you been higher than this? And unpopular artists that started by singing the jazz and then grew to hip hop. It's an art, it's a beautiful way to express your beliefs. There's many voices in my head. Hi, Connor. Welcome to the Love Today podcast. It's such a pleasure having you on. Thanks, Fernando. It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah. Um, we met through a mutual friend of ours. Uh, his name is Kevin uh, Fennelly. And forgive me if I'm saying wrong. No, saying that's, wrong, that's, wrong, that's, Kevin. that's, that's completely perfect. He'll be delighted. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, who I studied with. Uh, he was studying abroad at, at Boston College where I went to university. And I met him there and then just through different connections and different life situations, we ended up meeting together. Uh, he ended up connecting us and it's been wonderful, honestly, learning about you and your journey and, and the wisdom that you share with others and the path you're on right now. It's really inspiring because it's something I want to emulate in my own life. So I think I just want to get started with kind of your story, right? Um, how did you go from hurling, right? That, and maybe you can give us a description yeah. for, for what that is, because I don't think many listeners might know. But how did you go from, from that really rough, you know, intense sport to, to becoming a meditation teacher to starting your own company based around uh, sharing mindfulness practices in the workplace? Um, yeah, let's go start with that. Let's do it. Yeah, start with the story. It's always a good way to go. Um, so yes, firstly, we'll probably have to attach some sort of link to explain what hurling is in, in better detail. <laughs> you need to visually see it to believe it. But whenever <laughs> I talk to people from the States, generally they say it's a mix between lacrosse, rugby and hockey, except like 10 times more dangerous. Um, but it, it is, it's Ireland's third most popular sport. It's, it's only played in Ireland or by Irish people overseas. And this was my main sport and it's an amateur sport, but it was, it's one that's taken very seriously. And I would have trained at a high level and maybe trained or played matches, you know, eight, nine times a week. So it, it took up a huge amount of my time. It was It was a massive priority in my life. And I had ambitions to get to the, the top of the game. And when I was 20, I suffered a bad hip injury 
And suddenly my whole career ended. I got surgeries and they didn't work out. And there was finished playing before I had ever reached that peak that I'd strived for. And very soon after I was kind of pushed into this unknown world of anxiety, panic, depression, my, my energy changed almost immediately. And it was a couple months later, I was in Thailand with friends. Um, and I was just on holidays trying to forget all about it. Be like, oh, I'll be fine. You know, partying, going on holiday with my friends, uh, you know, hurling. What is it? What even is that? And it was when I was there that I started to have panic attacks. Um, and, I had one about two weeks in on a six week trip. And for the next four weeks, it was unbearable. Nearly. I was having panic attacks every couple of days and I just wanted to go home. Luckily, my mother is a psychotherapist, which is obviously a great resource that not many people have. So I called home and I was explaining what was happening and she kind of put a label on it for me. It was like, oh, you have anxiety at the moment, you know, panic attacks, terms that I wasn't really aware of before or something I'd never associated with myself. And she recommended that I saw a psychotherapist when when I got home. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever, I'll go. I'll see a psychotherapist. I don't need one, you know, I'm not one of those, I'm not one of these crazy people who needs to go to a therapist. And this is just my thinking at the time. Um, even though obviously my mom's clients were then in that category that this guy is crazy. Um, but I was like, I'll go for five or six sessions. It will be fine. I'm, I just need to talk about, you know, being away from home. It was an unfamiliar environment. That's what it was. So when I came back, I started therapy and that six sessions turned into well over 100 sessions now, you know, three and a half years on, I'm still seeing that same therapist uh, over Zoom since I moved to London, which everyone's kind of used to now since the pandemic. And it was through him, uh, Brian, I'll give a shout out to Brian. It was through my work with Brian that I got to learn a lot about myself and what works for me. And he was like this recommender tool where he would say, oh, would you try out this mindfulness app or this book or read this book, listen or listen to this podcast, watch this video. And I got absorbed in this world of well-being. I was like, this is so interesting. Like, obviously, I need this to look after myself, but there's so many more people out there that must be going through this. So I just, just it took out my life this, you know, I was just super interested in everything. So I was practicing uh, mindfulness myself, and I find between mindfulness, psychotherapy, cognitive behavioral therapy and, and you know your 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 basics of life in terms of like sleep exercise these are the things for me that combine to allow me to live the life i want to live and achieve the things i want to achieve um and the mindfulness teaching really came about because i was working in the uk and and um, mindfulness was such um important coping mechanism for me whenever i was stressed out and i was in a high stress job and I wanted my colleagues to experience um, the same experiences that I've had. So I wanted some mindfulness teaching in. And I asked for a quote from a company in the UK and they threw back this just astronomical quote. And I was like, it'd be way cheaper if I just taught myself and was able to teach the team anytime. So I did that. And also I wanted to do it because I have my own podcast and blog and I wanted to come from an educated position when I'm on the blog or on the podcast. Yeah. So I said that I would 
train up. So I trained with the Irish and um, British Mindfulness Institute and the Centre of Excellence Online and became a mindfulness and meditation teacher. So you'll see all my social media, all of my um, podcasts, a lot of it is very mindfulness-focused, meditation-focused. And it was only through the pandemic that I then started doing it for free to, to businesses and they just gave a donation to one of my favorite charities in Ireland. And I realized, well, people really need this so or they really want this. And uh, I set up a company called Work Mindful then to kind of, you know, just share workplace well-being, workplace mindfulness um, exercises that are practical and sustainable uh, to businesses and universities around Ireland and the UK. So that's kind of that's kind of that journey. I didn't even mention the fact that whole reason I'm on this, I guess, the Mental Health Journey podcast and blog. So that's just something I set up to document my own experiences of of um, depression, anxiety, panic over time, and, and things that I've learned that work for me to to feel a little bit better. So there you go. Yeah, that's that's. I'm not sure. There you go. Can you can you, can you sum can you sum up your life in seven minutes? Okay. <laughs> yeah that's connor 101 yeah uh should we wrap up there that's everything (laughs) (laughs) no no that's there's still so much to talk about that's wonderful thank you for sharing that thank you for sharing your your life story in such a condensed and really really impactful way um i think everything you said is, is very very resonates with me you know just because i kind of also went through this moment or this these couple of years of true trauma and anxiety and depression. And it wasn't until I had like an experience kind of my, my, uh, it was Indonesia, right? Where you were traveling. Yeah. My Indonesia was in Puerto Rico and then kind of awakening to this like new world, right. Uh, of we, we had different journeys with that, but it's still the, the idea of like waking up to this new way of looking at our own mind. Right. I had no idea the concept or the, the, possibility that you could build a relationship with your own mind and not be controlled by it, right? By the impulses, by the desires all the time and not give in to the stories. So I think something that you, you touched upon was that when you, when you were with your psychotherapist of that person who kind of like shows you a new way of looking at your, of yourself, right? I feel like the power of mentors, uh, is so important. Like I consider you, for example, a mentor in podcasting and also mental health, all these different uh, areas. And we've, we've just recently met, but that, that power is, you know, it's there. And so I think that's, that's very important, very powerful. And what I wanted to say with all that was kind of what are some, as you, as a mentor, as you've grown along this path, this journey, what are some, you know, practical advice or practical teachings or practical uh, lessons that you've learned along the way um, based on mindfulness, based on psychotherapy that people can apply right on their day-to-day lives. When you're, when they're working, we spend so much time these days uh, being behind uh, a computer and not really moving around because, you know, we're at home or uh, we're in these different work situations that we haven't been accustomed to. So what are some things that you found are work for you um, or have worked for you during this pandemic and even before that, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, firstly, thanks a million for saying that I'm a mentor. Uh, you know, I, I've had some fantastic mentors through 
my journey with mental health and before that and we all need that to to kind of get to where we need to go whether it's a, a friend or a parent or a teacher or someone that you met through kevin fenley uh mm. you know we all need that so i appreciate that and i'm i love what you're doing too and that's why i'm here today but a uh, <laughs> great great question um firstly I, I think something that is a good assessment tool of where you're at in terms of anxiety, um, and this is something that I found impossible back in the day before I knew I had anxiety, but when I was playing sport and stuff, I had so many issues that were going on in my life. Right. And I just built, I just had so much activity going on where I made these walls of walls of activity that if I was busy enough, there's not enough time to reflect and talk about things. And if there was no time to reflect and talk about things, was there actually anything wrong was kind of my, my, my motto back then. And something I used to always struggle to do was sit still, like be comfortable sitting still and not fidget and not need to be doing all the time. And that's why we say it's important to be a human being, not a human doing. And so uh, what I do now when I, when I assess where I'm at is how, how long can I sit still and feel comfortable sitting still. And that's a really good little measurement tool for me. Anyway. And not and not doing anything, right? Just sitting yeah, still. Yeah, not, not doing anything. Man. So not not listening to music, not on your phone, not watching TV, just like sitting there and just being with your thoughts. And you can be doing mindfulness or you can just be comfortable with your thoughts reflecting and just sit there and just not feel like you need to be doing and um, that's mm-hmm. always a good tool for me to work out. Am I? Do I need to just unwind a bit now? Do I need to go for acupuncture or go for a massage or go for a run, whatever? But in terms of grounding myself during my working day and, and especially during the pandemic, I think, yes, screen time has been a massive issue. I think for me, I've, I've only started working back in the office the last few weeks and it's been an absolute godsend because I've been able to go out. I've been able to talk to people face to face. I've been able to uh, cycle to work and have that commute and the exercise, see nature, that type of thing. But I remember when I was at home during lockdown, I think I was averaging like, oh, I, don't even, I don't even want to say my staff count to be honest, but it wasn't <laughs> good. I My screen time had probably tripled on my phone for a while. And that doesn't even include the amount of time I was on my laptop or watching TV. So what I started doing was I did make a conscious effort to do things like walking meetings. So if there's any meetings where I didn't have to be on my phone or I didn't have to be on camera, I would, you know, just plug in my, my AirPods and I go for a walk in the park and have the call going on and still contribute, try find a quiet area, but just be outdoors Again, sometimes if, if you're not near a quiet area to go for a walk, it's just even sitting outside. Um, a nice routine that I like to do before, at the start and at the end of my workday was I'd always go outside. And I'd literally just stare up at the sky and I'd like just connect with nature in the time of day and be like, okay, it's bright, it's morning time or it's, cloudy, <laughs> it's morning time and just yeah. let that settle in my body. Because um, otherwise I was like, you know, time was just a weird construct during lockdown. Um, another thing is I, I tried to take I put time in my diary every couple of hours to just take a minute it literally just says breathe and uh, when that happens I like turn away from my computer and I look into the distance and I'll do one of my my meditation practices be it like uh, if it's just even looking away closing my eyes and listening and 
noting five things I can hear or looking around and seeing noting five things I can see or if it's doing a, a breathing exercise and it's just to take that separation away from from work and get out of that flow state that can actually be quite dangerous even though people are like oh, I want to be in flow um so there are some things some really practical things you can do is is just maybe have a pattern of going outside before and after work get a few walking meetings in get your steps up and then just put some reminders in to take breaks because yeah you can be in great form doing work but sometimes if you take a step back you're like do it doesn't need to be done right now or could yeah. i wait an extra 10 minutes and do my breathing exercise or have some water or go for some a bite to eat or whatever it might be um so i think that's important and, and a nice thing that i did as well was myself and my brothers all worked in different rooms so we go for a coffee break and lunch breaks together like it was an actual office so there are little little tricks of the trade that you can do to get away from the screen perfect thank you you i think first of all before i, I ask the other questions why is flow time why is the flow state can why can it be dangerous um um yeah so for me when i think of a flow state when it comes to work it's like whoa where did that time go i got so much done there and it was three hours and i didn't even notice you know it's mm -hmm. like something that hackers and coders and stuff say a lot you know there'll be headphones on and plugging away but that's kind of anti-mindfulness in some ways where obviously there can be mm -hmm. mindful flow states but if you're not aware of time passing by or you're not aware of the feeling of your fingers hitting the keyboard or you're not aware that you just did this stuff here you know you've just fallen into some sort of subconscious state and i i don't i find that uncomfortable at times i find that it's harder for me to unwind from that when i'm in that state for too long and i do sometimes it's necessary if you need to cram before an exam or if you have you know a big presentation coming up or something sometimes you fall into that anyway but i always find that i like and that's why it's important to have those little breaks so i can go into flow state for an hour but then i can have a break for two, three minutes and do my breathing or go for some water and then I'll get back into my flow state. It's just about being aware that you've been doing this for this long and that you might need a drink of water or you might need to go outside for some fresh air. Yeah, and it's exhausting. Flow states can be really draining like your energy like that recovery period or like you're talking about or that awareness of, you know, taking breaks while you're in that state is so essential uh, to to yeah just not collapse and not burn out because i feel like that's something that's happening a lot these days always always you know but but more and more than not i see articles talking about how to prevent burnout or if you're feeling burnt if you've been feeling burnt out then this is why so i think that's really really key what you're saying i also want to kind of jump back a bit to how you measured you know how you are aware of yourself of like what level of anxiety am i in um, and tied with that, the, the beginning of, you know, of having the, 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 the courage or the acceptance to say like, maybe I need help, right? Maybe I need to look for, for a therapist, or maybe I should research into, to, into meditation, a meditation practice. What, what would you recommend for someone who's, you know, struggling to to accept that maybe they're not as as you were saying maybe they're building all these activities and not having time for reflection um and saying like oh everything's fine but they don't really know that it, that it's fine it's just you know a lot of clutter 
that, and then that's when the storm comes and that's when you really realize like, oh, maybe, maybe I wasn't as fun as I, as I thought. So what would you recommend for someone who's trying to, yeah, to, to, to start a, a new meditation practice, uh, uh, going to the therapist, what would you say to them? It's difficult. Um, cause I, I know the majority of people who end up asking for help have hit what is their equivalent of rock bottom or so they think for me, I didn't ask for help. I didn't, I had no awareness of my own, you know, mental illness or, or mental health issues until I had my first panic attack. And that's when it like a train hits you and you're like, Oh, okay. So it wasn't like I spotted it in advance. So I understand when, when I'm saying, and, and you're saying it, I get that it's difficult. I wasn't able to do it. So to catch yourself before you hit that, it is, it is a journey you have to go on yourself. I feel like it's, it's, you can't just say to someone like, Oh, do you think you're anxious? Or I think you're anxious <laughs> and, and it processes, uh, I guess for them, it's, that's why it's important that you have people like yourself, myself that are trying to speak about it and share our own story. Yeah. They can see, Oh, I'm kind of like him or I'm kind of like him from two or three years ago. Oh, maybe I should look at myself in a different mirror here. Um, like even though I'm, I'm working at one of the, the biggest startup accelerator programs in the world at the moment. And we all did this presentation about ourselves when we first started. Um, and the amount of these people who had incredibly successful corporate careers and they said, I got burnt out. So I wanted to work for myself and do something that aligns with my values. And I would say it was nearly 50% that said I got burnt out from the corporate world and I'm here. And I was like, wow, it's so refreshing that people can say that. But also, it'd be great if other people knew this story because there's going to be a lot more people that will end up getting burnt out along the way. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's important, I think, that we're talking about it. It's also, I think, it's good that some of these well-being companies are marketing themselves as kind of like improvement tools, performance improvement tools, because some people may not align with the whole like anxiety depression thing even though they might have it themselves but they might go like oh headspace helps with my creativity or you know it helps me with my sleep and stuff like that if you put it into different terminology maybe they can they can um it's a little bit more appetizing to them so for someone just starting off um i think you know be open to everything um some things aren't for everyone. Like the, when I, when I write my blogs, like certain things work for me and I try to say that to people, it's like, this is what worked for me. Try it if you like, you know, some people, it is just your basics of, uh, you know, exercising well, eating well, sleeping well, drinking lots of water and, and you're, you're good to go. And for other people, they just have really good friend groups that they can open up. Like it's a therapist to them. And, and like that's mm -hmm. the way of processing uh, but for other people, you know, things like psychotherapy is an option. There's lots of recommender um, websites out there now where you can go on, you can find a therapist near you or you connect with an online therapist. Um, you got psychotherapy, which is kind of delving into your past. If you feel like there's something in your past that you need to heal or you want to talk about and there's there, it's something that you don't want to discuss with friends or family or you don't feel you have that person, that's perfect for you. Then if you're more of a kind of worrier, you're really practical thinker, something like cognitive behavioral therapy can be really good. You'd learn tools that you can incorporate into your day-to-day -day life and just help yourself to process worries a little bit better. Um, 
Then obviously you have meditation, which is good from anything from stress relief to creativity to problem solving. Um, you obviously um, just seeing your GP and getting recommended for different resources or free resources in your area is always a good start. And then you have these apps like shed loads of apps that are out there from Headspace to Calm to um, Metatopia, all this stuff that you can try out. So I think it's it's a journey of experimentation is what I would say. So don't mm. be let down or feel um, overly disappointed that the first thing doesn't work for you. For me, like it took me probably two years to find like these are the things that really work for me. There's a lot of trial and error to get to there. So when you're starting off, just put energy into it. Be willing to accept that some things won't work, but just keep trying and you'll find something that works for you essentially. And keep listening to resources like this and you'll maybe you'll just be like, well, maybe I'll try that and maybe it could be the thing that works. Yeah, I love I love how you, you spoke of each therapy or each, yeah, each therapy and also associated with like, oh, this could be the best for that or this could be the best for that because I think sometimes the options are overwhelming Mm. Uh, like I don't like I have all these things like where do I start and I think this is a great way of starting like you were saying like this resource so thank you for sharing that and I think my next question is what is the relationship between psychotherapy and meditation right because I personally uh, there was a point in my own spiritual journey whatever you want to call it where I was like, oh, there are different things. Like there's a realm of science and then there's a realm of spirituality and they don't really talk to one another. I mean, I mean, turns out they do, but they just don't realize they are talking to one another. But um, how do you approach uh, psychotherapy and, 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 and meditation? What is the relationship between those two disciplines? Yeah, I, I think it's really complimentary, to be honest. Like, as I said, psychotherapy essentially believes that by speaking about your past, you can heal your present and future self. And when you talk about your past, there can be traumas. For me, that was mainly my parents' separation um, and kind of the fact that I never really spoke about that for for three or four years, really. And I bottled that up inside. And there's there's deep trauma in that. And when you when you have that release, it's huge, but it can be overwhelming. The aftermath is overwhelming. There's only like this hangover of of like process trauma that's still coming through you. And for me, that's where meditation came in, where uh, sometimes I'd have a therapy session. And what I said was obviously very good for me, but I became anxious or stressed or I'd have headaches. And um, I found meditation was a way to just center myself and process some of that. So there's some great meditations you can do, whether it's, you know, it could be a breathing exercise to take your mind off what you just discussed and just, you know, take your mind off it for now. You don't want to talk about it anymore for the moment. You do a breathing exercise, take yourself away from it. There's also um, a great meditation called Exploring Difficulty, which is essentially you think about the negative feeling or the negative experience. And whatever happens in your mind obviously has a connection with your body and the the feeling of anxiety or whatever it might be will be representing your body. And what it does is then you move to focus on your body, focus in to be the tight chest or, um, you know, uh, just butterflies in your stomach or whatever, sweaty palms, whatever it might be. And you zone into that and then you start breathing into it and relieving it. And it just essentially 
tells your body, oh, when I feel when I think about this, I feel this, and I, it comes up here, and this is actually normal, and it's okay, it makes sense, and that's another way to heal. So for me, I've always found it's extremely complementary. Um, so yeah, although sometimes they keep separate, I think and dealing now, them together is great. Sponsor. Is it just me, or does the world feel like it's upside down lately? Imminent wars, the collapse of the financial system, the ongoing climate crisis, and yes, the pandemic can make us feel like we no longer have control over our outcome in the world, which can then make us feel overwhelming amount of stress, confusion, and helplessness. But it turns out that there is a dimension of our lives of which we have full control over, and that is our inner world, our mind, which serves as our filter to the exterior world and our compass to its brighter and more harmonious shores. When our filter is free from obstructions, then we are able to see the world in a different way, a more compassionate and joyful way. And when our compass is balanced, we have a better shot at reaching our goals, whatever the terrain or destination may be. What I've just described is the promise and the miracle of practicing mindfulness meditation. As a meditation practitioner and teacher, I have seen and experienced firsthand the transformative benefits which come with a meditation practice. Benefits that include cultivating a healthier relationship with ourselves and others, a better ability to handle our stress and be less reactive to the world around us, and a greater sense of resiliency, clarity, focus, and balance in everyday life. This is why I'm currently offering one-on-one -on -one mindfulness sessions to both expert and curious yogis through my website at lovetoday.live. After taking just one session, you will be well-equipped to set out on a sustainable, enjoyable, and fruitful meditation journey that will positively transform your relationship with yourself and with the world around you. Eliza had this to say about our sessions together. Fer's mindfulness coaching was very nurturing, insightful, and personalized. I would definitely recommend these sessions if you're craving more mindfulness and inner peace. The practice has helped me to embrace my full self and feel overwhelming sense of empathy for myself and others. Like I mentioned before, if you're interested in deepening or setting out on your own mindfulness journey, all you have to do is go to lovetoday.live and sign up for a time there. Now back to the podcast. Yeah, that's powerful. So yeah, I, I wish I knew that exactly what you're talking about, uh, uh, that practice of, of meditation, of being aware of difficulties, because two months ago I was coughing a lot. You know, I had all these tensions in my body and anytime I started doing work, I started coughing and coughing and I went to the doctor and it was also like not ideal because it was coronavirus, like yeah. the, the height of it. Well, yeah, the, it was like just starting to really dawn on me how impactful this was going to be in the world. And so I was like, Oh my God, do I have Corona? All these things. Turns out I didn't have Corona. Uh, I went to all the doctors. They said, you're fine. Uh, did all the x-rays. Um, and then it later on, I realized as I was doing a meditation practice, uh, kind of similar to what you were speaking of that I was coughing so much because I was so anxious and so stressed and my body was reflecting that. Right. Um, and it was a process of, of letting go, of, of that stress and, and uh, through meditation through these different practices. And yeah, sure enough, eventually I stopped coughing and, and whenever that anxiety comes up again, I can feel the cough wanting to come out, 
but being aware of that, being aware of like, oh, no, no, it's not because something's wrong with my body. It's not because of, you know, something with my lungs. It's just a reaction that my body is developing because of this thought or this mind pattern. So I wanted to ask you about your relationship with awareness, because so many of these different practices, the different disciplines, and even in psychotherapy and all these yeah, different fields, they really bring into mind the importance of awareness, being aware of what's going on in your head um, and kind of like not buying into it as much. So what is your understanding of awareness? Um, and, and yeah. Awareness. Yes. It is a process I've found. I was not, aware of the battle that was going on between the emotional and logical parts of my brain for a long time even though looking back on it my god was the emotional part of my brain winning the majority of the time for 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 many years i found the most important practice that i've done to build my awareness has been cbt and, and cognitive journaling in particular so there's something that i do it it's it's and i, I activity called worry time and there's actually this great app called retail worry time where you can write down your worries during the day and then the idea is to forget about them and you, you put a reminder in for later and it's like eight o'clock you're like all right i'll worry about that eight o'clock and you put it away it actually has a, a big effect on your brain you're like okay I, i've i know that i'm going to deal with this and then it sets a reminder then eight o'clock give yourself half an hour take out your journal you look at the worries and they're in these like little paper um like paper notes uh sticky notes and if you're done with it you can scrunch it up and flick it away into mm. opinion or if you want to work through it if it's still on your mind if it's like oh i'm you know worried about um losing my job uh or my boss is angry at me and then what there's a process to it and the process i developed was like i i write down what what the worry is i define it and then I explore that. I'm like, okay, well, what, what led me to think this way or what led me to worry about this? Then I say, what were the consequences in my behavior and in my mind? So, you know, um, say, boss gave out to me for being late for work. Oh, my God, I'm going to lose my job. I started to get anxiety in my chest and in my stomach. Um, and then that's the situation and I try to counter it with like the logical side of my brain and writing has this power of when you start to write down the logical part of your brain does take over which is really powerful so the emotional part of your brain just goes in the background for a second and you can uh -huh. say you can say oh well you got employee of the month last month or you got your review last month and they're really happy with you your boss has a big deadline coming up they're probably stressed out at the moment you know, the reality of the situation is that you have a really good relationship with them and this was just them acting out for external reasons beyond you. And when you put that down on paper, you're like, okay, you know, that makes sense more so than I'm going to get fired. Mm. Um, and then when you're done with that, I usually do a breathing exercise, I flick it up, I, I then I'm done with the worry and I just flick it away in the app. So I did that uh, essentially every day for about four months and when i did that i built this good awareness between my brain how it works what it worries about and how to kind of counter its worries so for me it didn't come naturally 
I think it's a pattern. I think CBT, cognitive journaling is a huge way of doing that. And one of the better ways of doing that is worry time and a thing called the worry tree that you can look up and that kind of helps you to work through the kind of worry time exercise. Um, so yeah, that's that's how I've become more aware of of my brain and, and what that fella's doing upstairs because he, he likes to go on a mad one now and again. Yes. <laughs> wow. That's, oh my God. Again, something I wish I would have done <laughs> three days ago um, because right now I'm, it was this whole story of, I was going to, I had this really cool opportunity of working for a company that it's like my dream company. Right. Um, And I was going to move to LA and it was like kind of like certain or like very likely that I was going to have an opportunity to work there. And then the pandemic happened and I didn't have that opportunity. And basically long story short, six months, seven months later, I got an email from the company saying like, Hey, we have this position opening. Uh, We think you'd be a good fit. And so last week I've been interviewing with them and it got to a point where it was like the next step uh, is still impending. Um, like the next call that I have is kind of like a really important call that I'll have to to work there uh, and and be a part of the of the team. And so and so that that was last Wednesday. And then the interview is started like, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna send you an email this week. Uh, pretty soon, we're trying to hire pretty soon. So just stay stay on the lookout for that. Um, and it was, I was just like really happy because the interview had gone really well. And then, uh, by Friday I hadn't received that email. And so all of these thoughts of like, oh my God, did they really like me? Did I say something wrong? All of these, all this time that I've been waiting for this email and now it's not going to work out again, that, that those thought patterns that come up and I don't know if I actually wrote them down, um, but I don't know. I don't know how I, maybe through like a meditation, my daily meditation practice, it got a, like the, the, the hold that those thoughts had in my mind were let go of, but there were a couple of days there where I was really, really struggling, really, really not feeling great. And I feel that if I had written those thoughts down and, and done the process that you just described, it would have been much more, a much more, a much more tranquil. Um, it would have been a much more relaxed Thursday and Friday. <laughs> um, yeah. I also think that it's important not to be too judgmental with yourself there and too hard on yourself mm-hmm. where it's like, whoa, you know, job, like I, I was looking for jobs through July and August. And when I eventually got my job, I was like massive release off my salary because it is one of the most stressful things you can do. And whenever I brought it up, my therapist, he was like, yeah, there's not really, you know, there's no easy way to just relieve stress from job hunting, you know, <laughs> uh, like there's little tools you can use, but you know, you're going to be stressed. So you should remember that this isn't cause you're an anxious person and like, you know, hmm. uh, that you're just this type of person and everyone else finds it easy. Everyone gets stressed. So I think it's important to be like, if you were stressed out for two days, but you're okay now, you did pretty well there. So yeah, I wouldn't, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be too hard on yourself. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. It's definitely, like you said, it's been a process and I go back to, I I usually go back to, it's about, (laughs) it's about the process, not the end destination. Uh, like we, we talked about flow a little bit in the, in the, the beginning of the podcast. Um, and I don't know if you've read the book of flow by, by Michael Mikhail. I don't, I don't know his last name. It's like a long 
long Russian name, um, but it talks about how people happiness is not found when you actually get something it's found in, in the process of, of like, it's found in the enjoyment of the process itself. So it's the painter doesn't, the true satisfaction for a painter, perhaps it's not when he completes the painting or when he sells the painting, but in the, in the process of, of choosing the colors and working with the canvas and all that, that's, that's where true satisfaction comes. And so for me lately, it's been, it's been really every day working on that. I'm working on like, it's not about the end destination. It's not about if this uh, novel is going to sell or if that person is going to like my work. It's about the, each word that I'm writing down or each, uh, brushstroke that I'm doing. Right. Um, so going off from that, I, I wanted to know kind of like what, what your relationship has been with achievement and, and recognition and success. Um, because sometimes in these paths that we're in, it can be get very tricky to, to be like, yes, I'm doing this for, for, for others. And, and that's my drive. But there, I also need people to hear what I'm saying, right? Um, um, uh, and balancing the satisfaction on both sides. So what, what has been your relationship with that? Good question. So I think I always found success easier in a team environment. Like not that I, like I strive, I strove for success on a personal front all my life. You know, like I'm a competitive person or I have been less so than I used to be. I've let that go, but like even a game of FIFA with my little brother, I would be punching the head off him if he beat me with the last minute goal or something like that. But my issue was whenever I achieved something, I was like, it's not enough. You know, it just wasn't fulfilling. It was that like there was an issue, like there was the build up to it that I actually really enjoyed that kind of like, will I get it? Will I want, will I not? And then when I got it, I was kind of like, ah. Oh, I actually don't really enjoy this experience. I'm sick of people saying well done to me or whatever. And like, uh, that's why when I, when it came to success, it was way easier on a team environment. Cause like, it was like, we did it together and you can celebrate together. And like, yeah. you know, all of you deserve the congratulations. You congratulate each other. And it's a bit of back and forth now, like say when it comes to like the blog or the podcast, like that is my, that's my co-creativity now, blog, podcast, meditation, teaching. And Obviously, the stuff that I put out there, it all started from um, I did a, I did a blog for a charity in the UK called Time to Change, and off the back of that, um, people were saying, "Oh, you should try your own blog," and I gave it a go, and I essentially just converted a few of my CBT notes into blogs because I was like, I have all these journals, like it's the work's done. I just want to kind of put it into a format where people can learn from my experiences or take what they want from it. Um, and yeah, like obviously do it to help whoever wants to read it. But when I'm putting out good content, I want it to have as big a reach as possible. So I do want as many people as possible to, to see it. Um, but in that, so I suppose a consequence of that is, is you know, pushing to build a following and, you know, uh, pushing to, to build a listener base and subscriber base and stuff like that, which can actually be quite tiring. The, the bit I enjoy yeah. is actually the, the content creation. Luckily, like I love making podcasts. I love talking. I find it therapeutic to talk about my own experiences because for the most part, my podcast is is just me speaking into a microphone and no script, just like I'm going to talk about the toughest day of my life today and I'll just be like right off the cuff, bam, here I go, uh, which may be evident at the times on my podcast. But um, 
I think the thing is, you know, what topic do you know better than yourself when you've been studying yourself for this long? Um, I also love writing blogs again. Like I, I find it, it's like a form of CBT. Um, so what I enjoy, the parts of success I enjoy or what I deem as success is the nearly the amount of people that like message me directly after and say, wow, that, you know, I really connected with that. So I I prefer if like three or four people message me after a podcast, then if it got me like a hundred followers, yeah, uh, the hundred followers is great. Like it means more people can listen and engage in the future. Um, but for the most part, I just, I actually just enjoy making content. And, and like I said to you before, I'm someone who always like, I do need something to fulfill myself beyond just work, you know, unless I turn this into a full-time job, I'll always need that. But for now, I, I've made the constant decision that my co-curricular activity is me and working on myself and sharing that work. So it's kind of, it's a nice kind of reminder that it's like, oh yeah, well, if I want to keep doing this, I need to keep looking after myself and talking about it. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of like an insurance policy in a way. I love that. I love that. And that's also what I've started doing with my own posts. Like, I completely feel you on, on trying to build a subscriber base uh it's it's you know sometimes it can feel really artificial and so my approach with this podcast you know growing the audience or whatever like i want it to be since it's, i'm not depending on it in the sense of like i need just to like forward to it for an income or something i'm really approaching it in a way of like starting small and then really naturally flowing with it uh, and understanding that there's a lot of techniques that i can use you know to to and like harmonious techniques that i can use to you know uh, reach the, uh, send the podcast to more people and all that stuff. And, but my measure of success really is, um, of those comments that I get or, or like, wow, I really resonated with this episode. Thank you for sharing, looking forward to the next one or a friend texting me saying like, I listened to the episode. Thank you for, for sharing this and all that. That for me is worth, like you were saying more than, more than any amount of likes that I could have got, I could get. Right. Because again, well, not again, we haven't talked about it, but social media can be really toxic at times uh, just because the way it's designed, it's the way it's designed and the goals that the companies that are in charge of them have, you know, they're not interested in well-being, they're interested in profit and how much of their of your attention can they control. And like the like button or the heart button on Instagram is a, is a, is a manifestation of that. So I feel that in, in when you get those messages, that is something that no company can ever take away from you because it's, it's really a, a good way of, of using the platform because it's not, it's, it's self-initiated and it's very conscious and aware. You have to type the message out. You have to send it. You have to reach, find the person instead of just like a mindless, like, like, right. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and I'm definitely going to apply so many of the things you've said, uh, uh, today. Um, that's why I, I really enjoy talking to you because sometimes when you're on a spiritual path or in a, yeah, uh, yeah, let's call it spiritual path. You can get really lost in the kind of like the higher ideals of attaining enlightenment or no more worry or, you know, all the powers that you supposedly get. But I feel that your approach grounding it with psychotherapy and grounding it with these like actual practices that you can do to be more aware of your thoughts is so useful. It's so necessary. We need more of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think if, for me, like, uh, 
I, I consider myself kind of like a, a very practical mindfulness practitioner where, you know, I won't be a monk at any stage or at least I don't think. I'm not sure if my girlfriend would be happy if I didn't <laughs> make that decision. Um, I, I, I want to achieve in the business world. I want to set up my own business someday. And these are things that I know are going to be stressful. So I'm going to be in a stressful environment. And my decision and, and my aim is to be able to cope as best as I can in that stressful environment. So I, instead of meditating all day, every day, I've just tried to learn tools that I can use to cope better and enjoy what I'm doing uh, and hopefully not fall into another, you know, stage of, of, you know, bad panic, bad depression, bad anxiety, like maybe it will happen down the line, but hopefully I'll learn from that as well because I have thus far. So, yeah, I, I consider myself quite practical in that extent. So, yeah, you won't hear a lot of the, the same, uh, you know, kind of um, meditation terminology from me as, as you might read up or, or get from other people. But that's just that's just the way I, I live. You know, uh, I've come from quite a practical family and, you know, I found a way to, to incorporate their values and the values that I've adopted through time for quite an effective way of life or so, I think. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm glad that some of it makes sense because I know you, you've ambitions too. We've talked about it offline, you know, you've ambitions. So I think some of these tips are definitely useful for someone like you. Absolutely. No, they are. Oh, let me just. Oh, that's, a great, that's a great doorbell. Podcast glitches. Um, <clears throat> yeah, they, they, I, I definitely do. I definitely do have the ambitions and, and more and more, I, I realize how grateful I am for these tools of the mind. Right. Um, and, and these mentors that can help me like carry a path that is harmonious, not just with myself, but with others. And the more I, I go along and the more I learn and the more I, I go through honesty in life, I realize that life is more of a dance it's more of a dance. And, and when we try to cling to any particular state, that's when a lot of suffering comes. Um, and that's why it's so important to, to, to take those times every day to just be aware of how, how you're doing and, and not being afraid of that. And I think people like you, what you're doing are, are great ways for people to feel comfortable with like, being curious about, Oh, like, let me learn this technique or let me know more about this particular way of understanding myself. Um, so maybe speaking more directly again, in a grounded experience, uh, I wanted to, to ask you the question of, you know, what's, what's the lesson that you've learned during a very, you, you mentioned briefly, uh, uh, um, that you, like you, you did a, a podcast all about the, the toughest day of your life, right? Um, what are some lessons that we've learned from those really difficult moments and how have you grown from them? Yeah, so I, I recorded that podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago and it was just looking at my, my toughest days of depression and just these days of like uh, zero energy, not, being, not having the energy to speak to people, you know, having songs things like songs stuck in my head like for days on end and just feeling like i'm going crazy mm. um you know crying in the toilet somewhere crying at home at uh at, at night time on my bed um not feeling able to hang out with people be around people uh, and also just being isolated because i live in london 
most of my support network is in Ireland or was until my girlfriend moved over there last week. Um, so what did I learn from those days? One, uh, I am one resilient. Uh, I'm not sure if you can curse on this podcast, but yeah, I, you get. <laughs> I, I won. I won. Resilient motherfucker, essentially, <laughs> yeah. is is what I learned, and I'm proud of that. I'm like, you know, my dad has always said I've been a fighter uh, since young. Like uh, he said, when I was like five on a crappy bike, I cycled like twenty kilometers to my nana's house and stuff, and like he kept asking if I wanted brakes, and I was like, no. You know, when I came to sport, I played through injuries and stuff. Um, but this is the toughest challenge I've ever had. And um, I had my, my series of panic attacks and, and depression and anxiety um, back uh, three years ago after retiring from sport and being in Thailand. But uh, last year, uh, I went through like the toughest period of depression I've ever been through. And I've bounced back from that, massively learned so much from that. I'm in a position there where, you know, I have this platform, I have... Uh, these tools I have this better relationship with myself and with others so that's one thing I learned was like man fair play like as in uh, whatever happens to you down the line you'll be you'll be all right even if it's shit at times you will be okay which is very comforting obviously um hopefully I don't need to go to that level again but it's great mm-hmm. to know that I, that I can go that low and come back up third thing is that even though they're far away like wow i have incredibly good friends and family and i have a fantastic partner like as in geez the patience that they needed with me when like if they came over to visit and i was just in no mood to like they're in london for the weekend they want to go out and see the place and like the patience they had with me to just go at my pace go slow look out for me understand that i'm not drinking or that i want to have an easy night in it's like you know that's amazing and also just the amount of them that would call me and I'm like, wow, I didn't even think we were at that, you know, calling level. But like when I started doing these blogs and stuff, then more people would call me or send me messages and stuff. So I think the two things I learned, which kind of enters into a third thing is like, I'm resilient. I have an incredible support network. And then that means that I can essentially come back from whatever life trials at me, even if I don't always remember everything I've learned and I might fall back into a pattern of not doing my breaks. And I might have a bad period of anxiety and depression. It's like, you know, with uh, number one and number two, you know, I'll be fine. Uh, so they're kind of the the two, which equals three things that I've learned from those dark days. Wow. I love that. I love that. And that's so true. That's so true. And it, it's, it's so wonderful too, to, as you go along, like you start with yourself, right? You start with like trying to, to find a way to navigate yourself and then you realize that it's not just about you, right? Like we realize that you, you, you attain like a certain, you know, stability or balance. And then you like start looking outward and kind of being a, a light, right? Just shining, shining, trying to shine to as many people as possible. And uh, because you know, you know how hard it can be, right? You know how hard it can be. And you know, you have this desire to kind of alleviate that suffering in whatever way you can, whether it be through a blog post or through, through just being, being with someone who's going through a hard time. Um, that's something, a spiritual lesson that I've learned lately. And that's radically changed, you know, the way I think about things. It's the past three days. It's, it's crazy how like little moments can really have an impact that feels like it's been forever, but understanding that, you know, there's three parts to us as human beings. There's the, the self, the I, the society around us, the we, 
and the structures that we build to better be in harmony with one another, the it, right? And so sometimes we focus so much on the I and like, I need to do this, or I need to be spiritually enlightened, or I need to, you know, find stability, or I need to not worry, but we disregard the relationship that we have towards those other quadrants or those other sectors of our lives. And I think when it's, we're never going to be fully whole or fully satisfied, satisfied if we don't operate in those three realms. Like if, like we're talking about, like if people are meant to be yogis or monks, then that's completely fine. But for uh, other of us, for most people, you know, that I know, like we're here on earth for a purpose. Uh, We, we have to interact with society, with people, with, you know, systems and having these tools like with therapy, meditation, listening to these stories like yours, which is truly wonderful, truly inspiring are ways to remember that we're not alone, that we're in it together and that it starts with us, but it grows from that and, and allowing that to grow and, and being comfortable with that. So Connor, thank you so much for being on, uh, on this podcast. We'll put all the links that you, you just said in the show notes um yeah just thank you for such a wonderful conversation so many practical tools that you shared no thank you fernando and don't forget to put the hurling video uh, link in there yes to give context to this but it's been a pleasure to be on i've i love what you're doing and i know it's just started but i think it will be very special so i'm glad i got in there early to to help you build this so fernando thank you for having me on and I hope that you have a lovely day there. I know it's morning there. It is evening yeah. here. So I, I think I need to get some dinner into me so that <laughs> I, uh, so that I can maintain this well being. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It starts with food. Okay. Connor, thank you for your words. And yeah, it's just starting out, but I can't wait to, to have you back on eventually maybe in season, season three or season four. Um, but yeah, talk soon. Okay. Sweet. Thanks Fernando. Bye. Bye.